Thank you for joining us today. Many Christians today have accepted Bible teaching through the media to be as relevant as assembling together in the house of God. The Bible commands Christians to regularly assemble together because we, the people, are the church. The media serves a great purpose for those who are temporarily or permanently unable to assemble due to various life challenges. But there is no excuse for those of us who are able. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Listen in with Bible, pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander teaches us today. And Father, we thank you for the privilege of preaching. Who am I to even represent you when I consider my ways, my past, my sins? I've fallen short. The words and thoughts and deeds do not even deserve to stand here, but solely by your grace. We don't deserve to be saved, none of us. We're saved by your grace. Thank you for the privilege of preaching and having the precious word of God when so many do not have it in their own language. We pray against satanic distractions, wandering thoughts. Help us to be all here in body, soul, and spirit. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. We're going to preach through this tiny little book. It's tiny but powerful. And Lord willing, we'll go through 2 John, 3 John, Jude, hopefully Revelation. In that order, if the Lord's will. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And there you'll find these words. What was from the beginning... What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life and the life was revealed and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the father and with the son Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete, or in your particular translation, it may be full. And from this particular passage, we want to preach the test of true fellowship. The test of true fellowship. Let's look at the purpose of John. The purpose of 1 John. The purpose of 1 John is to expose false teachers and to give believers assurance of salvation. The purpose of 1 John is to expose false teachers and to give believers assurance of salvation. 1 John was also written to refute the destructive teachings of the Gnostics. The word Gnostics derives from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. Gnostis comes from gnosis, which means knowledge. Gnostics exalted the acquisition of knowledge, for in their view, knowledge was the end of all things. Gnostics declared that matter is evil. 
They also taught that any teaching of the incarnation is unacceptable. These Gnostics, false teachers, denied that a sinless Christ could have a human body. The Gnostics, false teachers, denied that a sinless Christ could have a human body. In 1 John, the author also stressed the reality of the incarnation and the emptiness of profession without practice. Some people profess Christ, but they don't live Christ, in other words. And then in 1 John, you have a word that you hear often, even in our society. Uh, It's called antichrist. Antichrist means against Christ. Christ or instead of Christ. It means against Christ or instead of Christ. Antichrists are adversaries of Christ who oppose him. They hate Christ. They oppose him. They are deceivers who deny the Father, God the Father, and God the Son. They deny God the Father and God the Son. They also deny that Jesus is the Messiah and that he came in human flesh. These antichrists fail the three tests of righteous living. What are they? They fail the test of love for the brethren. They fail the test of belief that Jesus is the Christ and that Jesus is the incarnate God-man. Allow me to reiterate, because I know you're writing, these antichrists fail the three tests of righteous living, which are love for the brethren, belief that Jesus is the Christ, and that Jesus is the incarnate God-man. The major theme of 1 John is fellowship with God. The theme of this book, this, this first book, 1 John, is fellowship with God. John desired for his readers to have assurance of the indwelling Christ through the abiding relationship with him. John desired for his readers to have assurance of the indwelling Christ through their abiding relationship with him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 says, And now little children abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. What gives us as believers confidence and reassures our faith is looking for the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That should give us confidence. That should reassure us. When was the last time you got excited that the Lord is coming soon? I had a T-shirt on uh, yesterday in the restaurant, and uh, uh, one of the servers was looking at it, and he says, wow, I I believe he's coming soon, but I don't know if I'm so ready. And uh, I say, well, we need to be ready because he's coming soon. Beloved, you must first believe in Christ and live in a state of readiness before you can look forward to his return. You must first believe in Christ 
and live in a state of what? Readiness before you can look forward to his return. Do you say, well, I'm looking forward to his return. Are there some scriptures uh, as it relates to the return of Christ? Well, there sure are. Here are some scriptures to alert you to the reality of our Lord's coming for his children. He's coming, and guess who he's coming for? He's coming for you. You say, me? If you're saved, he's coming for you. He's really coming for you. Say, me. If you're in Christ, you know him as your personal savior, he's coming for you. Jesus is not coming for your school. He's he's not coming for your sports team. He's not coming for your money. He's not coming for your dog. He's He's coming for you. You. Yes, you. Let me give you some scriptures. John 14, 3 says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will take you to myself. Jesus say, I'm going to take you to, to go with me myself so that where I am, there you will be also. You, you're going where he is. He's preparing a place for you even as we are learning the word. He's preparing a place just for his children. Acts 1.11 says, and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? Jesus had just departed from earth off Mount Olivet. This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Another scripture, Titus chapter 2 verse 13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a great God. He is the God. He is the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are looking for his appearing. My mom told me before she went home to be with the Lord just a little while ago. She said, live each day like you're headed home to see Jesus. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he, Jesus, appears, we will be like him, like who? Like Jesus. Because we will see him Just as he is. Oh, he's coming back again. Are you ready? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 says, For the Lord himself will descend. That means heaven's up. You know, he's coming down. Heaven's up. Third heaven, up. The the, the first heaven is where the birds fly. Yeah, the, 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 the second heaven is the, is the cosmos, the moon and the stars and the celestial sphere uh, is the second heaven. The third heaven is above that is where God is. It's way, 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 way up. First Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself will descend, that means come down, from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. You have some loved ones uh, who are saved 
but, but they've died. They're with the Lord. And guess what? They're not lost. They're found. You know, we, we say we've lost our loved ones, but I'm going to tell you that they're not lost. That's right. That's right. And, and even if, if you don't know Christ, they're not lost either. We know where they are too. <laughs> they're not lost. Uh, unsaved folk are not lost and saved folk are not lost. Yeah, I lost my sister. No, your sister, if saved, went home to be with Jesus. Huh? And oftentimes, let me, let me just say this too. Oh, thank you, God. You just moved me all over the place. Um, a lot of times we say, and I had to learn better too, so we in this together, okay? We're constantly growing. Let me give you a little tip. And when you learn something, don't judge others because you learn a little bit more. Handle knowledge humbly, Okay? If your brother, sister, mother, father, grandmother, whomever are in the Lord, don't say, uh, my mother passed away. No, she didn't pass away. Look at that. Look how you're looking at me. She didn't pass away. That, that kind of indicates non-existence. She, she didn't pass away. She passed on. She passed on into heaven. On into heaven. Those who don't know Christ... Uh, they passed on into hell. They don't pass away anyway. You don't, there's never a moment in time when you cease to exist. There's an immaterial part of you, a part of your soul, your soul, your soul spirit. Uh, the, the body uh, goes to, to, to the grave. We say ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and we cover the body up. But that spirit soul at the moment of death, Long before the, the burial, that spirit soul has already gone to heaven instantaneously or in hell instantaneously at that moment. At that moment. So you pass on. My mother, uh, a number of months ago, went, she passed on into glory, on into heaven, in the presence of the Lord. And I'll see her. And when you get there, you'll see your loved ones. I wish I could turn the scriptures on that. You'll be able to talk to them. You'll see Jesus. You, I mean, you have memory. You'll be able to interact. All of that's a whole nother uh, segment that I don't have time to get into at this very moment. Verse 17 says, then we who are alive, there are going to be many who are alive at his coming, uh, who remain will be caught up together with them, with them who? Those who have died. See, when Jesus comes again, he's not going to come to earth. He's going to stop in the middle of the air and he's going to call the dead. And, and they'll be there. And when we are raptured, we will find our loved ones there because the dead in Christ will rise what? First. Look how y'all looking. This is exciting. Then we who are alive and remain, that's us. We're remaining right now. We're here. We'll be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. It's the loved ones who've gone on, who are saved, and the Lord himself. Look, in the air, gravity won't even stop you. Just that's That's called the rapture. You are seized from time into eternity with an irresistible force that snatches it. And before you can even blink an eye, you're already there with loved ones and with Christ. And you say, wow, look, there's earth. 
But who's care about earth? You're looking at Jesus now. <laughs> and then he takes you to the third heaven home. Home where the wicked shall cease from troubling. Home where the weary shall be at rest. Home, a place of no more dying, no more cremations, no more funeral homes, no more vaccines, no more viruses, no more blood pressure, no more devil, no more politics, no more media. Hallelujah to the last Lamb of God. Home won't have to cry no more. The young man I talked to yesterday when he saw my T-shirt, he said, I don't know if I'm ready to go right now. I said, I said listen, once you get there, you, you wish why you hadn't left sooner. <laughs> the reason you want to stay here because you've never been there, but once you get there, you wonder why you don't want to stay here. I'm amazed by everybody, want to, a lot of saints want to go to heaven, but they don't want, you want to go to heaven, but you don't want to die. You, <laughs> you're either going to die or God's going to just... Rapture you. I'm waiting. I'm walking. I'm sitting right here preaching. We all out of here. Now, if you're still here, you can come on up here and preach and just have yourself a good time. (laughs) Then we who are alive, who remain, will be called. That's the rapture right there. You said the rapture in the Bible. There it is. Caught up. Caught up. With them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always. There will never be another moment where we will not be with the Lord. Not be with the Lord. You see? Now the key word in 1 John is fellowship. Say fellowship. What is fellowship? 1 John places emphasis on fellowship with Christ and other believers. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. Say koinonia. There it is on the screen. K-O-I-N-O- N-I-A, koinonia, which means sharing. Uh, we, we, we share uh, sharing in Christ. It's partnershiping with Christ. It's to have things in common. We have a whole lot in common because of being in Christ. The preaching of the gospel is to call lost people out of the world into a unique fellowship with those who have been radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church is a community of all believers who are born again. The church is a community of all believers who are indwelt by the Spirit. The church is a community of believers who have been redeemed by the Holy Spirit. We have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we've been baptized by God the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ at the point of our salvation. Those who receive Jesus become partners with him as well as with other believers. We have something in common. 
We are all saved by the blood of Jesus. We all go into the same heaven and we all have the same heavenly father. We got a whole lot in common. I wish I could just stand here and talk for a while about the commonalities that we have because of being in Christ. Acts chapter two. Let's just dissect fellowship from the scripture. This is why this is married at the Bible church. It educates you. This church educates you as it relates to the Bible and its principles. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Please turn there as quickly as you possibly can. Because you see fellowship koinonia all over this passage. Look what it says, starting with verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. You need to underline that. Underline that. I'm going to show you fellowship all over this text. And fellowship. There it is. Underline that. To the breaking of bread. They broke bread together. Underline that. Fellowship. And to prayer. They prayed together in the unity of the spirit. Underline that. Fellowship. Verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers were together. Fellowship. And that's what Satan doesn't want. He doesn't want us together. He didn't want us to assemble ourselves together. He didn't want us to do anything together. He just wanted us to fuss, fight, and he wants to divide and conquer so we'll be useless in society. And all the believers were together. That's fellowship. Underline that. And had all things in common. That's fellowship. Underline it. Verse 45. And they would sell their property and possessions and, look, share them with all. Fellowshipping with sharing of their possessions. Fellowship to the extent that anyone had need. Verse 46, day by day continuing with one mind in the temple. And look, breaking bread from house to house. That's fellowship. House to house, fellowship. They, they, they weren't having Mary Kay sales. Avon sales, uh, whatever you got there. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, meals together, fellowship. Verse 46, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, underline this, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Folk were getting saved because they were meeting the criteria of fellowship. And when you're doing, if you're having this kind of fellowship, let me tell you something, folk get saved. Folk get converted. Folk get revived. Folk get delivered. Miracles, signs, and wonders happen when there's genuine koinonia and fellowship. This passage gives us a beautiful picture of fellowship demonstrated by the believing community at Jerusalem. Beloved, there can be no fellowship in the Lord's church until believers in Christ are united together in love, united together in faith, united together encouraging as one in spirit and purpose. A divided, fragmented church cannot affect our nation and world for righteousness. I'll repeat it. A divided, fragmented church cannot affect our nation and world for righteousness. Satan wants the church divided. He wants us to fight over stuff. He wants us to be at each other's throat. He wants us to fight over power and position. 
He wants us to be fighting over any little thing to keep us from doing the work of the ministry to which God has called us. Jesus himself placed a high value on unity as he prayed to the Father that the church would be one as he and the Father are what? One. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 21 says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. Jesus prayed that we be one. Satan will do anything to divide and fragment the church. Jesus himself prayed that the church would function in oneness. Look at the scripture. As you, Father, and as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Who's us? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Jesus here prays for the church. When Jesus prayed, the church wasn't even born yet. But when he was praying here, he had you and he had me on his mind. The early church had all the necessary qualities for genuine fellowship. The church today must possess the same attributes. We must possess unity. We must possess sacrificial love. We must possess sound biblical teaching. The church must possess prayer. We must possess evangelism. We must have uh, genuine worship. We must celebrate the Lord's Supper as we have done. We must baptize new converts as we've done this morning. We must execute church discipline to saints who have gone wayward. Uh, We must have compassion for those in need and genuine fellowship. This causes the Holy Spirit to freely move in the church, which empowers her to do the work of the ministry to the glory of God. When we operate in genuine fellowship, you know what it does? It attracts the presence of God amidst his people. God moves freely when the church is functioning as God designed according to his authoritative word, which results in many souls being saved and being added to the church. Now, if the church is not functioning in oneness, no wonder people aren't coming to Christ. No wonder we don't see a move of God in revival. Beloved, do not expect the Lord to send a harvest of souls to the church while not adhering to biblical principles and qualities laid out in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It is absolutely inexcusable for believers to think they can please and glorify God while being negligent with regularly assembling themselves together corporately for worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen closely as Pastor Rander concludes this message by helping us to understand why many believers do not assemble in the house of God. Satan attacks us when we're most vulnerable, and he changes his strategy as our vulnerabilities change. In Jesus' name, we must be unyielding in exercising our God-given authority to rebuke every attack Satan instantly mounts against us. And Satan will flee because he and our God cannot occupy the same space. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located in Converse, Texas.